Let's get one back to the entire podcast. We got cool show for you here. Go deep into Nick's recent wild trip down to Mexico. We had a blast there. We're all excited to hear about it. I'm also getting about a five-month week for driving key to Alabama fish eggs. Um, got a tell me, and I'm hoping you guys enjoy today's show. But before we go any further, I want to tell you guys that this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Hercules Tires, the official tire of the Angler's Happy Hour podcast. I've personally trusted the Hercules TerraTrack AT2 and Power ST2 to get my truck and boat trailer to every event around the country safely for the past two years. These tires are long-lasting, quiet on the road, and most importantly, incredibly reliable. If you're in the market for a new set of truck or trailer tires, head over to HerculesTires.com and see why these tires are such an incredible value. You can also find out more by following Hercules Tires on Facebook or Instagram at Hercules Tires. Oh, the privilege. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode. Before we go too deep into this, uh, I want to apologize for missing last week. I think it's the only second, it's only the second week that we've missed in the past year. And uh, I'll go a little more into detail on kind of what unfolded and why uh, we missed. But anyways, we're sorry, guys. And uh, we're glad to be back. Let's do what we always do and, and check in on the guys. Nick's got a bunch of stuff to talk about. I know that. But Rob, dude, uh, you've had a lo- uh, you know some stuff going on the last couple week- weeks. What uh, what's up with you, man? Um, so when you guys were well, when you were at Redcrest and Nick was in Mexico, uh, every single morning I got up early, I hooked the boat up, and I went out to Saguaro. <laughs> Sounds like Nick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Other no, than the just, early part. I'm totally kidding. Dave Katz told me I had to do that. I was working on the house every day. So he was just tired of me saying I was working on the house. So one of these days I'll get to go fishing every day. But That's cool. You jumped now, on another so. podcast uh, last week, didn't you, dude? I did. It was awesome. It was uh, the Serious Angler with uh, Bailey and Andy. Uh, had a lot of fun. That was cool. So They're good guys. That's cool. It's, yep. a, it's a great podcast. They're diehard bass nerds, man. Totally. We love them. Totally. So did you, I told you what I did. So he sends me like, he's really, the preparation for the podcast is phenomenal. Like he's, he was contacting me like the whole, like a week and a half prior doing all kinds of stuff. And then he sends me a text like the day before. And he, I almost need to pull the te- the text up because he, Hold well, on. up, man. Yeah, we're in yeah, well, I'm all yeah. excited here. I don't know what's going on. I'm excited. Oh, it's terrible. You didn't man. hear this, Nick? Oh, Perfect. I think I do, but I want to hear it organically. I have it. Okay. I have an idea. Let's all act like we haven't heard it. Sorry, guys. I should have had this already. No, this is done. It's like me, dude. I'm always having to dig stuff up, and I'm the dang host. <laughs> I like <laughs> it. It builds in like the the, the excitement. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Let's see. Where are we at? Okay, it's got to be before the photos because I heard you were a cactus enthusiast, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he says, Hey, Rob, when you get a second, shoot me a landscape photo that we could use for the YouTube thumbnail. Looking forward to tonight. So I don't know if I'm just dumb. I, whatever. So I'm like a landscape photo. That's weird. So I go outside and I start taking photos. <laughs> well, first I start scrolling through my phone and I've got like this really super big saguaro cactus. So I sent him that. <laughs> I've got a, a How a many sun- did you send before he corrected you? Oh, dude, I, 
I, so I sent that one, a sunset with some saguaros on a mountain bike ride, a sunset over, over I think it's Bartlett Lake, uh, another Amazing. cactus that's all messed up. I said, here's a few different ones. Hopefully one of them works. Let me know if you had something else in mind. <laughs> Dude, he's just dying. So obviously he sends a, a sample of what he meant. It was a fish photo. So oh, we got it handled for but- your podcast. What's that? A photo of you for your podcast. Yeah, what a ding dong I am, huh? So hey, it makes it, don't feel bad, dude. I had uh, after my wonderful trip in Mexico, I had some people sending me messages like on Messenger and stuff, and I think one of them came in, and you know it was like the heat of the moment. I was showering three kids and getting yelled at and like everything, and I was like, let me spend some time on my phone. And the guy's like, hey, I'm going down there soon. What were they eating? And I thought he said, what were like we eating? And I was like, bro, tacos. And then he didn't respond for a long time. I was like, that was the weirdest. He's like this sarcastic dick. Exactly. And then all of a sudden, the next day, I was like, why did that end so weird? And I was like, oh. So I was like, dude, I'm such an idiot. I'm so sorry. I read that fast. I told him what we'd been throwing. But I was like, tacos? Like, dude, it's Mexico. Like, why are you bringing food to Mexico? Like, it'd be like bringing ice to the North Pole unbelievable i feel your pain dog well bailey was super cool about it he's he was just dying laughing at me so whatever those were great pictures of cactus i mean you might get a job on a highways or something exactly i i thought they were (laughs) great landscape photos so josh said at least i didn't send my front yard to him (laughs) yeah or like you pushing a lawnmower here's me doing landscape (laughs) is that what you meant (laughs) right so whatever i'll yeah. live and learn so. i wish you would have talked about me just a little more i had to listen to the entire episode before you talked about me and that part of it kind of hurt but at least i was in there yeah you were there yeah in spirit hilarious well hey uh what uh what's going on your way nick we'll go into your mexico trip dude but i guess you know outside of that what's what's happening in your world man i've been trying to ask myself that question what is happening to me outside of mexico i feel like a huge part of me flourished and blossomed and then I came home and I'm just back in the can't catch nothing uh, struggle fest. I, I went back to Saguaro this week and boy, the weather was nice. It's about all I can say. I get on social media and I see people just doing their thing and I'm just out there with my dog, like deeply searching for the answers to life, I guess, man. It's got to be going off soon. The water temp was at 60 and a half when I left, so they're they're doing fishy things i just can't interpret it so looking forward to that i noticed they had a kayak tournament out there this weekend with like 30 kayaks but i can't translate (laughs) the inches into how many fish they actually caught like yeah all we know (laughs) is they whoop nick's butt that's for sure (laughs) they had 250 less horsepower and like 14 less feet to do it on but i got home rob and uh some guy caught a good one from the bank I sent a picture of it to Josh. Like that guy getting outfished by a kayak fisherman, a bank fisherman, man. So my boat's for sale. Um, highest <laughs> offer going tonight. Well, this air this will air tomorrow. So Monday at 5 p.m. Highest offer in my inbox uh, sold. My offer is a bus ticket to Mexico, dude. That's all I need. I need <laughs> right. I figured you'd take that. 750 bucks, and I can live like a king. <laughs> I can tell already. Nick's fishing in the states is is Ruined. dwindling real quick he's going to become one of those guys that fishes like six times a year and it's always across the border there's a lot of dudes like that here in arizona because oh, yeah, it's so man. accessible yeah yeah and then you have an experience like i did and you're like this is so 
wrong. Like I do everything backwards in life and I've just found one more recent example of this. Yeah. So, hey, uh, we'll dive. What we're going to do today is we're going to dive into that and kind of tell the listeners about your experience fishing in Mexico. Talk about fishing down there in general, you know, uh, you know, maybe maybe uh, give a little bit of guidance on on how how you did it in case they want to go do something similar. Um, we're also going to talk about my tournament experience over at Ufala for Redcrest. I'm going to dive, you know, uh, uh, we, we took some time and talked about it when we had a good event a couple weeks ago. So we're going to take some time and talk about why I think it went poorly for me uh, this week. Uh, you know, some of the things I learned from it. But uh, before we go too deep into those, um, I want to talk a little bit about that that trip I had out there. So like we we were, we typically record our podcast on you know, on weekends, Saturdays or Sundays. And we were kind of eyeballing trying to do a uh, podcast last Friday because they had postponed or they, yeah, I guess they had postponed practice. We were getting all that ice. We were talking about how bad Palestine was where we were supposed to go. They basically tell us on Thursday, they, uh, and it's not major league fishing's fault. It's mother nature. You know, they were doing the best they can, but they're like on, on third, on Wednesday, they send us an email and say, Hey, stay put wherever you're at. Don't leave, you know, because we're not quite sure what's going on. Um, just stay where you're at. And, and I interpreted that email as like, Hey, we're probably going to delay things. They're just telling you to stay home. So we set up our podcast. We're going to do it on Friday. Um, I'm already even looking at trying to do some fishing around around here over the weekend. And then Thursday we get on a zoom call and they're like, um, so it's been moved to you fall Alabama and practice is on Sunday. So <laughs> from coming from Arizona. And again, it's not, it's, I'm, I'm thankful we were able to do the tournament. It is, it, you know, it's the best they could do. It's the best anyone could do. But for the three guys out West, it was, Myself, Brent Ayler, and Jared Lindner, we literally start throwing stuff in bags. And um, I was rolling within an hour. I walk in the, my, my wife and kids were in the backyard playing. And I'm like, I'm leaving <laughs> in a week. So I, I got into uh, the truck and started driving. I drove like five hours, six hours, you know, from four to 9.30, stop in New Mexico, sleep, get up the next day drive 17 hours to uh, Louisiana. And that was kind of, it was post storm. I was pretty nervous about the roads, obviously. Uh, the, um, I took the 10, all three of us coming from out West, you would think like we would just kind of work Caribbean. together and maybe, uh -huh. maybe travel together. We all wanted to, but none of us could agree on the safest route. So we all took, we all left at the same time and took different routes. I went <laughs> the 10 Ayler went the 20 and Lindner went the 40. Uh, and we all survived. We all made it okay. I only drove through like two hours of somewhat sketchy roads. I was telling, telling you guys it was kind of uh, still snowy and icy just before San Antonio. But uh, anyways, long story short, I, I stopped in Louisiana that night and then drove the next day, drove the rest of the way from Louisiana to uh, it's on the Alabama-Georgia border and practice started the next day. So that's really why we – we missed the show. We, I, we just didn't have time. I got in the night before, started practice. The one day of practice, fished daylight till dark and jumped into the tournament. So it was a whirlwind. Go ahead, Rob. Did you have any issues going through Texas as far as gas and food and 
supplies that type yeah. of stuff well yeah so rob's rob's buddy had called rob and said hey man just let josh know that uh i, I you know i own a business out in texas and like my guys are having trouble like well, there's no power so my guys are having trouble getting gas they're having to go to a bunch of gas stations to just get gas the pumps aren't working there's no power all there's no food so i just yeah <laughs> I, I was prepared as far as like i had brought some cash for you know, if I couldn't, couldn't use the, uh, the card reader or whatever and, and brought a bunch of food. So I didn't have to stop, but luckily it was, that was the, the power was back on by the time I came back through. Yeah. You good, could tell good. they'd, you know, had been reeling been a little it. bit, but yeah, yeah, that was, that was Sean Hilton. He, he listens to the podcast all the Thank time. You, Sean. And he, I appreciate that. Yeah. And <laughs> he said his manager of one of his stores, I believe in Dallas, took him like seven gas stations to be able to fill up his car. Like, and it just, it was, yeah, they were locked down for close to a week and you were just on the tail end of that. Thank goodness. So. Yeah. There were, uh, there were signs all over like the interstate, those electronic signs that'll tell you whatever, you know, if there's an accident, you know, yeah. if there's a closure or something, they were saying, you know, limited fuel, you know, don't, you know, don't let your tank get too low, stuff like that. So you could tell it was, it was crazy. That was one of the reasons that we might have we might have physically been able to fish. Like that ice might have froze on Palestine, but uh, dude, the, the whole town and, and the whole, not just the town, the whole area was just reeling from this man. And yeah. and to burn up to to burn up a lot of that lodging and, and to go in and and eat the food that's in the grocery stores and stuff. Like it just wasn't right to go do yeah. that to go fishing. So, I agree. Uh, yeah, it was nice. the right move on on MLF. They they did the right thing getting out of there. So yeah, yeah. Um, but anyways, that uh, that's kind of why we missed the podcast. But let's uh, let's go into some pos- positivity here. Well, let's hear the story about your trip, Nick. Uh, you wrote a long write up on it on uh, AZ Anglers, and it was awesome. But I, I I'm expecting your um, actual description on the podcast to be better. I know you saved the real good stuff for the podcast, right? <laughs> yeah, oh, of course, man. This is as we have affectionately come to know, it's the juice. And so you just gotta, <laughs> gotta lay it on thick, right? No, it was, uh, it was great, man. I don't even know how to like start. It just was, as anyone who knows me knows, I have from time to time been known to come up with like kind of, I don't know, like marginally logical ideas on things to do. And most of the time they don't ever work out very good. Like I'll travel a long distance and it sucks or especially with my brother. When I found out my brother was going to come, I was really excited, but I also thought that's going to be the kiss of death. We're going to catch nothing. Everything's going to go wrong. And we're just going to have one more example in our lives together of how like (laughs) stupid we are and (laughs) how much we love each other because we catch nothing and nothing ever goes right. We it had been Four four years since he and I had done a trip together. And the last one we went to a real remote out island in the Bahamas on a fly fishing trip. And you know, I I I'm a terrible fly fisherman and I was rusty and I caught like two fish the entire trip. And he did pretty good on that one, but it was tough. And so I kind of went into this one thinking the same thing. I was like, I, I know Mexico fishing can be pretty good, but I don't know what I'm doing and like by the help of some people in the fishing network, I kind of got aligned with a guy down there and I was like, well, let's go for it. And, you know, contrary to my style, I actually put a lot of preparation into this one. Like I was trying to get tackle organized and because I was taking a bus, I wanted to be um, efficient, which I was not. Oh my gosh. One of the biggest takeaways from the trip was that I had way, way too much stuff, but I didn't realize that. And I uh, 
I went to Home Depot and like I bought a bunch of AVS, AVS plastic uh, pipe for like doing plumbing so I could carry four rods down there. And I had like a big backpack full of my stuff. And those rod tubes went on to be the death of me. And that was, uh, I, I thought I was going to get like, I, I almost got cavity searched. And then I thought I was going to get detained and have to get an attorney coming back into the United States. That's the, that's the uh, exclamation point at the end of the story Woo! that I didn't tell everyone. Here we go. <laughs> neglected to put that in my lengthy, long-winded, you know, story about it that I wrote. But so Friday night came, you know, and that was when we were anticipated blast off. And the uh, bus station for Tufesa is on 27th Avenue in Thomas. So very, very nice up and coming gentrifying neighborhood on a Friday night at 730. <laughs> Ooh, oh, yeah. Good timing, too, man. Hey, man, it's the overnighter. So we get to the bus station, you know, and we're all a little anxious and nervous and just not sure what to expect. I, I still wasn't sure that I was going to be able to put my four ridiculous, huge, eight-foot-long plastic tubes underneath the so bus. So you had a tube for each rod, huh? Yeah, and then I, like, jerry-rigged them together with, like, a big hose clamp and, like, tight. What did that thing weigh? Like 430 pounds. <laughs> and then with my backpack, I was pushing about a metric ton. Yeah, and then you plumbed there's four houses down there too, probably. I, I did. Yeah, that was the <laughs> upside of it. I brought nice. indoor plumbing to three ranchos in Mexico <laughs> with it. <laughs> Dude, I, uh, oh my gosh, you know, and it's funny, my brother fly fishes only. I haven't seen that guy conventionally fish in almost a decade now. And he's got his like little hipster Patagonia duffel bag and like two little fly tubes. That's he's one like, thing about Let's fly go to Mexico. fishing. Dude. Came to bite him in the butt, though. Like, we know now next time, like, we got to tune in his system a little bit, and he'll catch a lot more fish. He did great, but uh, we'll, we'll be able to dial that in better for him. But it's funny because, like, he's just, like, Mr. Season Traveler with, like, nothing, and I'm over here dragging, like, a single-wide trailer worth of crap to, you know, go rough it in Mexico. But we got on the bus, and uh, all of a sudden, I look over at my brother, and I could tell he wasn't – my brother won't tell you anything. Like, everything is just like, oh, yeah, I'm good, man. Everything's great. And you're like, no, I don't think it is. But so do we, we start driving through Phoenix and we get to about Casa Grande, which is, you know, an hour out of town. And he's just like, all of a sudden I see him like kind of like twitching and he's dry heaving. And I'm like, whoa, are you no, okay, man? Dude. And he's like, oh, I got to tell you, dude, like I have like the craziest migraine. It started when I was coming down from flag, you know, cause he drove from flag and then to the bus. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. And dude, he's just like, he, he's like, whoa. Oh, and he's just dry heaving and he's got his eyes closed. And the dude is like going through the throes of just illness. <laughs> so, is there a bathroom on this bus? Uh, there is. Yeah. The bus was actually pretty nice. Honestly, dude, I, it's like a lazy boy recliner. It was heavily used and a little gross. Like it wasn't dirty, but it wasn't like, it wasn't what? your lazy boy recliner. It was like when you got at Goodwill, maybe. You know what I mean? It's still comfy. But <laughs> yeah, it actually did recline, though. Okay. Or, oh. on the, or on the corner, free. <laughs> maybe That's, that, too. Yeah. Maybe had bed bugs. Maybe didn't. The best Woo! things in life, you never know. I'm sure there was nice. no bed bugs. No bed bugs. But so suffice to say that, you know, I'm starting to get – I was already feeling a little stressed. And then once I realized that my traveling partner is, like, really pretty ill, I was like, oh, shoot, this is – this is off to a rockier start than I wanted. And one of my strategies going in too, is I was trying to like fly under the radar. So like I get a new phone like every three or four years when I finally have to. And that cycle just came up for me. So I have like a, a flashy 
you know, up to date iPhone. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not mobbing that in Mexico. So I went through all these motions of getting like a pay as you go. And I was trying to get like a real chill phone. And so I have a different phone with a different number. My brother's over here dry heaving. And my phone is our connection to Rafin in Mexico, who's going to like guide us and pick us up and everything. Dude, I get to know Gallus and we get off the bus. And this was the moment where it's like, you're going to go through the Mexican immigration and you take all your crap off and you send it through the x-ray machine and then you got to get this visa and i speak decent spanish but the bus driver was hard to understand and i realized now in nogales arizona he had said anyone who needs a visa let me know so that we can get you squared away well i didn't say anything and i was surrounded by apparently other people that already knew what was up so i just like sailed through nogales and didn't get the visa and immigration wasn't that bad other than my brother was just like still looking like he was gonna die but we get back on the bus and i'm like all right that was like my like real stressful moment we skated through it i think everything's good i look over at my brother and he still looks like a sick dog and then i look down at my phone and my phone is done it says no dead? sim card no it just says no sim card it has no service on it so i don't know what happened but it decided to crap the bed as we went into mexico <laughs> that's when I got a little stressed. I was like, oh, damn, like, A, I have no communication with any of my loved ones. B, I have no communication with the guy who's picking us up at the bus depot in Mexico. And C, I think my brother is going to need to go to a hospital here pretty soon. So, did Cody have his normal phone? He did, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because he's, dude, I, he barely is beyond like two rocks and a string. Like, I don't even know what that thing was. It looks like a, an eBay purchase is what it looks like like a smithsonian institute donation he's so he's simple the, well he just has got such a simple lifestyle dude i love it man dude then he comes through in the clutch right because his phone is our only like at this yeah. point my phone is like it plays music and it's a paperweight i'm going to use that as like a bribe or like a bartering tool when we get kidnapped like i don't there even know what my phone is at that point so then we get to um the hermosillo bus station and it's like 2 30 in the morning at this point we've been up all night and finally I go to the little store in there and I'm going to buy like, I'm trying to find a medicine and he disappears. And then I see him like 10 minutes later. <laughs> He's like, don't walk behind bus 174. And he just had been back there just like puking his brains out, just going to town. Oh. And I was like, you poor guy. Like, but he felt a little better after that. And we got back on the bus and after Hermosillo, we're pretty much there. You know, it's like three hours, but no more stops. And dude, that was the only time I slept, man. I slept like, a rock for like two and a half hours and we had we had managed to get his phone functioning enough to talk to Rafin the guy and so the drive down there was pretty sketchy dude I woke up in Obergon and the sun was starting to rise and it felt like groundhog's day man like I didn't even know it had been quite the trip but uh you know I, I had I had never met him in person and I kind of I'd seen pictures of him but he didn't seem really like noticeable compared to like I was hoping he had like a giant red beard or like, I don't know, like a huge cowboy hat or like, like where's Waldo? Maybe he'd be wearing like a red and white sweater. Bass so got to the jersey, bro. Dude, he wasn't wearing it. I should have told him to wear it. I know you're smart. Wear your jersey. Dude, so he'd get in there. And those rod tubes, dude, like everyone was so friendly, but they would just, because every time you get off the bus, you know, and like you got to put it through the stupid x-ray machine. So everyone was sure that I was building pipe bombs or plumbing houses like Rob suggested. So you become friends with the people on the bus. And there's this lady who lived in Overgone and she's just laughing at me. And like my wife told me, she's like, make a friend on the bus that's going to the same place that you are. Cause that Smart. way, like you have a translator if you need it. And like, 
you don't sleep through your stop because dude i was out cold when we hit overcon it was like my brother didn't sleep a wink so he wouldn't have missed it but my friend she's laughing at me but yeah man rafine picked us up and he is like high high energy he's like 11 out of 10 i don't know if that guy ever turns off so we're like groggy and cody's still like you know in the coming down of a horrible migraine and i'm asleep and he's just like what do you guys you know you excited to go fishing tell me how do you like to fish what do you want to do and it's like whoa 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 like we need coffee bro like i can't talk about any of this and he's one of those people you can't trust him because he doesn't drink coffee dude he wants diet coke i'm like diet coke is not coffee like that doesn't count like coffee so he took us to a little taco stand and we're getting ready to go fishing and the first day um was an interesting deal like i think you know, we didn't know at all what was going on. And he was guiding us to like, you know, throw this, do this, do that. And the first half of the day was tough, man. I think, uh, I, I don't even think we had caught maybe like 10 fish. And so it was, it was settling into one of those, like, I know how these trips go. Like the excitement has been there. Everything is great. And we're going to show up. And it's like the lake had dropped like five feet in the last two or three days. And so the That's fish a were a little funky. Oh, that place is like you know reminded me of pleasant in that regard like it moves a bunch down and then up and down and up and there's no schedule to it apparently it's just fairly random so i felt like it was like falcon lake 2.0 oh man last week we caught him crazy yeah. good on a crank and i'm sorry that you vomited behind the buses in hermosillo to catch nothing but that's what this is looking like but you know and the wind started blowing pretty good the first day and I thought that'd be a good thing. I was like, nice. At least, you know, for me, selfishly, I'll be able to catch him. I don't think my brother with his wet noodle is going to do anything in a 15 mile an hour wind, but at least he'll be able to take pictures of me holding big Mexican bass. <laughs> you know, he can cheer me <laughs> poor on. Dude. <laughs> poor dude. And uh, that's a life know, choice. That's not, not, oh, poor dude. that's very true. Dude, I know. He just does it for the Instagram, right? He takes those trophy shots where he like hangs his fly rod over his back shoulders and he like holds the fish lovingly. He doesn't do that, but we both like that. But dude, the moon of all things was funny. The wind's blowing. It's like one o'clock. And we're at that point where like, dude, you're just tired. You slept like 20 minutes, this crazy trip. And now it's finally like the adrenaline is receding and it's just like, man. And then honest to god we go to a different spot we ran up to the river and uh all of a sudden dude the wind was blowing and like the stupid moon rose and i kid you not like over the horizon you can see it and then it was just on like crazy what time of day is this probably like 1 30 in the afternoon you know and and uh rafine is a heck of a guide i know this is a family podcast so i can't go into the details on exactly what party favors were needed to elicit all of the best strikes. But suffice to say, the moon rose, the wind blew, and a good time was had. And then the spinnerbait bite was bananas, dude. Like, nice, it, right? it looked, you know, like, you know, the, sometimes the water had like a, a, a dirtier tint, and then sometimes it was clear depending on what part of the lake you were at. But regardless, you could always see like the structure. And most of that was rock. There wasn't really a lot of, you know, it, the, surprising the there's not much wood in there dude it's really interesting you just don't picture that on a mexico lake a moonscape type it, lake exactly what it was too man there's a handful of trees and i think the water goes up and down so much that you know i just don't know but so you could see like you know there's big water cruising over these rocks and it's like if you can get your spinnerbait on the other side of that rock hold on and it was just like that dude i had a half ounce spinnerbait on one of 
my 2010 era V-Coy rods and I could wing that thing like a mile. And then I have an old school, old school uh, Revo winch and just chuck it, dude, and just start reeling. And it would just, some of the strikes were violent and other ones you'd just be reeling and it would just load up. And it was so much fun, man. Like I didn't catch anything huge on a spinnerbait. I think probably my biggest fish was like a solid four, but it was just so fun, dude. Like you could just start calling shots. Like you could see him and throwing out and the rest of the afternoon, um, we just, we caught him good except for my brother. And you know, he's back there the whole time, just double hauling cast cast. I mean, anything strip, strip. hit, he caught a fish. How many yeah. did you caught before he got, okay. Oh yeah. So no, he had only caught one dude. And it was a rat. Like, Oh yeah. caught like 20 on your conventional. Oh yeah. And Oviachik is not like backerack in the sense that like you catch three tens in a trip and everything is seven to nine. You know, there's, you, you work through them a little bit to get to those, those really big fish, but there wasn't a preponderance of like 12 inches. You know what I mean? And poor guy, that's what he had caught. He had like one 12 incher to his name. And so, you know, he's, he's used to taking it like pick up a, pick up a conventional rod and in spanish cabron is a bad word but that was rafin's favorite word so he was he you know he's high d right so he's he's just giving it to you like non-stop just giving it to you like cabron pick up a conventional rod and <laughs> brother doesn't have any time for that dude he's just like you know he's like deaf to that so he's he just, just won't there. he won't do it he won't do it dude he's, he's just a he's an elitist he, you know, he thinks he's better than us he doesn't oh. but so then at the end of the day right you can tell like one of the trademarks of a great fishing guide is one who doesn't be like, all right, dude, well, it's five o'clock. Your trip's over. Like we're going back to the ramp. It was, I know that's. Hey, Rob, yeah, it doesn't mean, yeah. Rob's raised his hand. At, dude, Rob's like, it's a four too, hour bro. trip. We start at five 30. It's nine 30. <laughs> we're off the water. No, he knew he'd been a long <laughs> way. So he's, he let his fish till dark dude. And so, you know, the, he, and then he confessed later. He's like, well, I was also wanting to let the wind die down. Cause we did, we were staring down the gun barrel of a pretty bumpy ride in. Right but on. so you know the sun's setting and all of a sudden you know my brother's still back there whipping it around and then on a fly rod like the sound of a like a hook set is really unique because you know typically you have to like pull the line tight hard to set and so at the very end of the day you heard it and it's just like that that beautiful sound of like the line the wet line like coming tight and Rafine and i spin around and look in the back and Cody's rod is like bending at the top grip. <laughs> and I was like, is he snagged? And I was like, no, he's not snagged. Dude. It was like swimming off the point out into deep water. Nice. Like finally. And so of all the day of just like busting each How other's big was chops. It? it was a good one, dude. It's probably almost four. That's and awesome. he fought it for a long time. And he got it in the boat. And like, we were so happy for him because like, you know, he'd worked his butt off for that. And the classic thing was, is he's like, oh, you guys use big hooks and you're so aggressive and flyer fishing is so, you know, refined and dainty, dude, <laughs> that fish, they eat it there. There's no like short striking, like everything is like in, like in their mouth. And so that fish swallowed his fly, dude. And it ticked one of the gill rakers and that fish bled like a stuck pig. So I was like, oh yeah, look at your like environmentally friendly fly fishing. You killed the only fish of the day. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Hilarious. Then he tired him out so long on the way and the fish dude. had a heart attack on the way to the boat, dude. <laughs> dude, he was needing CPR. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we would joke, man. If you, there were so many ospreys on that lake that were like, those fish just follow Rafine around because he coaches everyone to just like back your drag off and let them swim around so they don't get away. And so the Ospreys just follow his boat because there's just like a sea of like three to five pounders behind his boat on the top of the surface, too tired to swim away. Just the tired fish. <laughs> That's hilarious. But so we got off the water, man. And, uh, 
he took us out for a great dinner. We had tacos and it was just, it was awesome, man. I had such a good time. But needless to say, the next day was starting to feel like the reality of having to go home was pretty high. So it's like, ah, you know, I'm just going to live in the moment and like fish hard. And throughout the day, like I had kind of figured out the, you know, what was going to work for me and what I was comfortable doing. And so Sunday had a lot of expectations baked into it, even though I didn't want it to. And so we get out to the water on Sunday morning and He's like, let's start somewhere where Cody can catch a fish on a fly, hopefully on a popper. Because the top water bite wasn't really – it was interesting. The fish were – What was the water temp? Uh, 66, 65, 67 in there. And uh, yeah, it was amazing, dude. We caught a handful of fish that were very spawned out. And we caught a handful of fish that were very clearly spawning. And then a uh, lot of just – like it wasn't – Right in the middle of it. Yeah, exactly. It just wasn't really – it was right in the middle. And so we pull up on this spot – and like Cody's third cast, his popper gets swallowed. And it's it's not a giant fish, but it's like a two and a half, three pounder. So it was a fun thing to watch. And it's like, that's a good omen. Like sometimes catching one early is a bad sign. But I think on a lake like that, like that was a good sign. And we, that little, that little point had a bunch of wind on it. And we, we thumped him good. I caught a bunch on a spinner bait and he caught that one on top water. And then it slicked off and it was a totally different day. I mean, it was one of those like flat calm days where like, you looked like you're just on a fishbowl. There wasn't even a ripple on the surface. Nice. I was like, ah, this could be good for Cody. And so then we started fishing a lot of offshore stuff that was not accessible to us on the first day, which seemed so like, like I, I mean, I, I feel why he wanted to do that because we had pounded all the traditional spawning stuff and had worked hard on reaction and it was decent, but not amazing. So it's like, I guess try out there. <laughs> and the, dude, the first, the first offshore spot we came to like, Oh my gosh, I, I cast out. I was, I just, at that point I was Bubba to the max. I had dumbed down everything. I was just throwing a Texas rigged Sanko that he made and a half ounce weight and there's nothing to it. And you could see the, the structure cause it was so calm, even though it was in like 20 feet of water you could see kind of the yellowish tint of it in my first cast dude got to the bottom and like just the quintessential like thump that you just live for with like a jig or something slow on the bottom and i reeled down and i set the hook and it just instantly started swimming out and i was like this is awesome and i fought that fish for a while and caught it it was a good one i don't know like four or five pounder reel in <laughs> throw back out there hits the bottom doink again swims out set the hook that spot was bananas, dude. Like we had to move around a little bit, but I, I don't even know, man. Like we, we worked our way up the, the ridge, you know, of offshore water to the, finally the point that was on the bank. And I don't even know how many fish we caught off of that dude, but we caught, we just, we caught them, dude. Like my goodness gracious. Like our big, my personal biggest five, cause the guide was fishing too. And he was absolutely lighting it up. And uh, dude, my biggest five were right at 30 pounds. I didn't, I brought a scale, but I wanted like, I wanted a DD. So I was like, I'm weighing something if it's not clearly like easily identified as like a seven. Sure. And uh, dude, it was just crazy, man. Like definitely biggest five or 28, 29 pounds and probably 25 or 30 fish right off of that one spot. That's crazy. And that series of structure. And it was crazy, dude. Like the, the weather had slicked off so much that there's, there's a lot of panga fishermen and, uh, so even Rafi are they tilapia fishing or what kind of everything dude but definitely a lot of like there are guys that have like cages for catfish and then dudes that have nets for tilapia but dude i had so much so much props for these panga fishermen dude so they were using conventional bass gear 
right? Like I'm sure they have a little bit of everything depending, and there's a market for everything. They were throwing bait cast. Dude, they were throwing bait casters. And Rafim was like, you know, we were fishing, you know, a spot where like clearly you should be casting towards the bank and they were throwing off the other side. And so after about 20 minutes, those guys pieced out. He's like, we have to go see what they were fishing. <laughs> so we did. And like, <laughs> there was like the sexiest, like nondescript hump. Cause there's no like, they know hump. what's up. Oh yeah, for sure. And there's no hot maps, right? Like we're not fishing contour lines on his graph. This is all just like Rafine knowing what's up, dude. Like these are, you know, his, his graph, there's not even blue on his Lowrance, dude. It's just like, it, we're just like a triangle in the brown desert like it doesn't even know there's water there and he's got wow. like stuff marked everywhere so there's i think it's funny that you guys are surprised you can catch fish without that stuff I, <laughs> dude rob you would be so at home man i feel like there was like this weird time warp where like overgod mexico and you like are still in 1993 like the boats like mono big but like it was like it just kept coming back to it. i was like i need rob here like i don't know if you say I actually fished there in 1993. I think you brought all the technology yeah. with you and then left, and that was it, dude. Yeah. It's hard, to believe, era. hard to believe it was that long ago that I fished there. but You fished yeah. that lake? That Obergon, and we fished Bacharach on the same trip. Wow. So we drove down to Bacharach, fished there, me and Johnny Randall. That's cool. Through, through Mexico. And Johnny drove most of the way because he was like a race car driver or like an off-road racer. And like <laughs> he's going 90 throughout this. Yeah, he goes. Dude, the, he is he flies oh yeah. when he's behind the wheel of anything. It's unbelievable. He, he says, You guy. never in Mexico, you never drive in the lane. You drive straddling the center line. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Why? Read that in a guidebook. For for just, like donkeys just, or something, dude. Just gives you more room to to react, sure. he said. <laughs> in case there's like a small child or something like walking down the street. oh yeah so we had fred ward in front of us with a, a ranger boat with no tie downs he didn't believe in rear tie downs because he goes it just beats your boat up so instead his boat would slam and flap all the way down <laughs> to mexico don't want to stress out those uh tie, oh, yeah. tie straps in the back oh yeah so we drove all the way to back rack fished for i don't know quite a few days and then on the way home we hit Obergon for two days so, so do you think it was Oviachik? was it the big because there's a handful of reservoirs outside of Obergon do you remember which one specifically it, it was, was the same one you're fishing I, the, could, the bigger one right yeah the biggest, okay uh -huh. yeah yeah how was the fishing 30 years ago it was good Bacharach was brutal like like I think I caught each day you'd catch five to seven fish at Bacharach but they're all giants yeah like I, eight, I know it's nine that place is tens that place is cycled and ebbed and flowed. I know it's, I know it's, it's on you know, a big up cycle right now. That's what I've heard. Yeah. And then we went to Oregon and we absolutely smashed, you know, the two to five pounders. Uh -huh. And it's funny you say offshore. Cause I believe we caught most of them offshore. Yeah. And I'm assuming that's a lot of that has to do with the fluctuation of the water. Wouldn't you think? I think a thousand percent, man. Cause I, I honestly, like on those offshore spots, I caught one that was clearly spawning. So yeah. I think they just feel safe, right? If the well, water's going to swing. Can, Especially if you can see the bottom out there, those fish probably spawn on tops, tops yeah, of those humps totally. and stuff. That's what it bottom. Yeah, that's if that lake reminds me so much of the San Carlos uh, Reservation, Lake San Carlos here. Interesting. Yeah, like you'd be out there in I don't know, maybe April or May, and you get on this big flat point, 
in the, you'd fish for, we fished two days there one time. And I remember the first day we absolutely wrecked them on big crankbaits, but we were fishing them pretty shallow. Uh-huh. The next day on that spot, you'd think if you're on a crankbait bite, you'd catch them again the next day. We didn't catch a single fish because I'm pretty sure they're all bed fish when we uh-huh. caught them. So it was just, it was kind of weird, but they were, you know, big giant fish on these beds and you'd yeah. catch them cranking through there. But that's sick. So that's cool. sorry to get no. off the. You added some paprika to my dish here. It's much appreciated. And hey, hey, on the guides, dude, and the panga fishermen, like when you're mentioning they're fishing the structure, they know it's there because they've physically seen it when it's low. Like, you know, I remember going to El Salto and the guide, same thing, no electronics, but they know every inch of that sucker because they've seen every inch of that sucker with their eyes during record low years, you know? So like it's, they've got, got this you know and they've got like this photo gallery in their in their mind of what that lake looks like when it's empty for sure and you they know, mark it they don't mark it on their iphone 11 <laughs> they poke their eye that's how they mark it on their iphone <laughs> <laughs> yeah, rafin had you know rafin had solid graphs he he was he was in this millennium by far i was teasing about 1990 just because like you know we're fishing out a little bit older boat and like a lot of the approaches you know like a spinner bait and stuff we tease you about being lost in the times but like rafin had had it going on it's just no one's gone out there and charted that lake so and on days like that where it's so calm it's different like you can see stuff and there's it's a, it'd be a handful to, you got to spend a little time before you'd be a hundred percent confident driving your boat on that lake, because you feel like you're just out in no man's land and it's like negative five feet deep. So it's like, you can, it's a pretty flat lake, huh? Not super deep. Well, it's canyons, right? So you just have like lots of ups and downs and ups and downs. And so there's just like, you don't realize that there's a, a point or a hump that's going way farther out than it looks like it is. And gotcha. your lower unit's going to pay the price on it. And I would imagine that's pretty fun when you're by yourself and you wipe out your lower unit on, you know, Oviachik and the wind's blowing and you're just kind of like watching your chances of survival go down. That's probably like the real Mexican experience that I didn't have, but. Did you look okay. by the dam? We did the sec the end of the second day. We did, and uh, okay. um, I don't remember it being that day. And now a week ago, I felt like I'd never forget it. And then it's like apparently all the you know, things I did to myself in my early twenties have ruined my memory. But everything was so good that I don't remember it being like above par good. I remember we caught him a little bit there, but that first offshore spot was where like, dude, there was just like <laughs> there was a wheelbarrow full of like four to seven and a half pounders. That's crazy. And so you'll love this, right? So that first fish I catch was a good one for like Oviachik standards. It was probably like deep into the sixes, maybe seven. And, you know, Rafin has this, and I get it, dude, he's marketing his guide business. And like, he wants to, you know, he just wants to capture the raw awesomeness of it. So he wants like 400 pictures and like, he wants it his way. And, and, you know, my brother and I over there, like, almost needing to get a room because we're like making out with the fish and like taking release picks and stuff so i'm letting this fish go and we're like having a brotherly moment we're like you know whatever and then he's like oh cabron like the next one we're putting it in the live well i have an idea and as i inside i look at my brother and you know we have buffs and glasses and i'm wearing my rice farmer hat so there's not really a lot of non-verbal communication that can go on but we're both looking at each other knowing the same things it's like my brother is you know he's 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 not he's not mr put five in the live well and you know see what they weigh and beat the other guys that's just not his style of fishing but i knew we were going for the trophy pick where you hold like 
all your fish and he's like we're gonna go to three sisters and you're gonna take the picture of the trip and it's gonna be this beautiful thing and let me put some water in the live well and out of you know out of respect to him we're not gonna be like uh no we don't believe in that like we're much higher and better than that so he knew what was coming i think once he saw that first fish he's like it's about to get real and so dude we have a live well full of like six big ass fish and he's like, okay, like we got to the point where like Rafine, like you're either taking the picture uh, that what started as respect and ultimately escalated to like the fish are leaving the live well, bro. So like take the yeah. picture, uh, you know, there's so, no reason for them to be sitting in there right now. dude. And so, so my brother, you know, is so great. I'm going to love this picture forever. He's holding these fish and like, it's anti, like, you know, you catch a <laughs> fish, you take a picture, you let it go. You don't like put them in a shoe box and bounce around for a while. <laughs> And so I've got a picture now for the rest of my life of my brother holding like two or three giant fish in front of three sisters. And the inside Dude. joke is knowing that like, that's, you know, the fish were fine. They all, you know, I re we watched them all resuscitated them. They all swam off fine. Of course it wasn't they're fine. Yeah. Everything's fine. But for my brother, you know, like you don't catch like three 20 inch brown trout and then like lip them in front of a ponderosa pine tree. And like, you know, so it's just, Oh, you need to have that. So great. You need to frame that picture and put it up in your house so he can see it every Major time. Major black. There. You just right. need to send it to him every day. <laughs> there you go. That there works. Hey, what's up? Good morning. Send him. If, if, now, if, if the listeners want to see the fish, Nick's posted them up. But like, what's funny is like if you look at the way Cody even holds a uh, bass in a picture, he cradles it like it's a like it's, like it's a, his daughter, eight inch his native cutthroat trout dude he's literally cradling him in his hands like this like a baby <laughs> I mean, like, that he's forced to do that he kept yelling at him hide your fingers hide your fingers move your hands do this do that you know because my brother's not wanting to do like the classic like you see those those memes float around the internet of like how you're ruining the fish's jaw holding them the way that bad you oh, know it's sure. like all those things that like you know there's lots of debate between different anglers about what is or isn't you know, proper etiquette and protocol, but I hope I'm delivering to the listeners, like what a beautiful, like irony it was that Cody was having to like, and the best part was, and he's, he's wonderful. He won't mind me saying this. He was holding my fish. So he's holding like nice. these slaunches, dude. And he ended up catching him. He got a couple of big ones. He didn't get anything near seven, but I think he had a handful of fours and fives throughout nice. the day. But in this one picture, dude, he's holding like six of my like donkeys and he's forced to hold them. And I tease him. I'm like, how'd it feel holding my fish, man? You, you did a good job. If you could have just held him out a little further, it would have been better, but you did all right. <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. Dude, we just whacked him that day, man. Like then we just continued at that point. You could just tell like, okay, like he had tons of stuff like that. And so it's like, ah, this spot sucked. He'd spend 20 minutes and only catch three and there wasn't a giant. And then do we pulled up to one of them before we took the picture and he and I, both caught bookend sevens. We had a double going at the same time. And it was like, that was one of the crowning like memories of the trip was like, we both set the hook and looked at each other and his swam right, mine swam left. And you know, we, by that point we were giving each other huge doses of crap. I mean, no one could do anything without getting yeah, really yeah. made fun of. So it was fun. You know, we're like, Oh dude, get your fish in. Like, why are you taking so long? You, you help me with mine. Yours is tiny. And so then to both have like, bookend matching fish was it was cool that's awesome yeah it was that's it cool. was it was great man you know and then that day just ended too soon you know how it is when you when you're having a good time like i kept thinking <clears> like <throat> i'm not looking at my phone to see what time it was and and it was like holy jesus it's like 5 30 and we're getting out of here at 9 30 and we got to get everything set up so so just i mean 
just so the listeners know, you literally drove down, the, rode the bus down Friday night all night, fished all day Saturday on very little sleep, all day Sunday after crash and obviously Saturday night. Yep. Um, and then hopped on a bus and came home. Yeah, so I'll Dude. give you the crescendo here at the finish line. So needless to say, Saturday night, I slept great because I was in a beer-induced coma. And so I, I definitely sawed some logs that night. But then, yeah, so we fished our, our brains out. And it was really windy and pretty warm the first day. And those are kind of tiring days. But, you know, sometimes when the wind isn't blowing and the sun is just, like, on you, like, it was, it was a warm day. Yeah. And so then we filled up on tacos and beer again. And he took us to the bus station. And at that point, I was feeling like, okay, like, I'm, I was had so much adrenaline. I thought I was going to sleep, but I couldn't. I was just like wired and i knew we had so leaving you have a mexican immigration checkpoint like 50 or 75 miles before you get to the border in nogales and then you know it's it's hot in the in the day and then it's kind of chilly at night so the uh, checkpoint comes and you know you gotta get off the bus and then they take all your luggage off and you have to go claim your luggage and your single file line and then they take you through like Mexico's version of border patrol, which is like an x-ray machine from the thirties. And like all the armed guards that are performing it look like they're like 11 and a half years old, but the vibe is real serious. Like, you, you know, you can tell that like, so I quickly position, I transition into the no hablo espanol mode real quick and just kind of like have big eyes and, you know, like, I don't know what you're telling me. And so the guy finally had some sympathy for me. And of course they wanted to cavity search me. And so I take my giant green bag and he's like, opens my bag and he pulls out a, a gallon freezer Ziploc bag full of lizards and Sankos and stuff. Nice. And he's like, looks at it like <laughs> I've never seen anyone sneak meth into the United States in a lizard before. Like, what is this? <laughs> I was like, well, that's the highest grade albuquerque meth i got it from you know heisenberg himself i was like no man they're cosas para pescar which is like really white for saying things for fishing and he was still just like you're an idiot like that's not what this is and he you know three bags of that goes flying and then he's like in my bag and he like finds my box full of hooks and then he pulls that out and i'm like that one does look a little bit like a weapon but i promise you like those aren't like boomerangs that i throw at people and then stick them with a five aught ewg like those are fishing hooks and anzuelos is the word and then he finally relented let me go and but that was like an hour and a half like the wow. trip home was dude supposed to take 12 hours it ended up taking 17 hours so that was the first bump and i was like man like that was that was lengthy but okay then and i'm coming home every time you get you're forced to get off the bus no matter what, even if you're asleep, they wake you up and they bring a drug dog on and they do a lap and everything. And, and dude, the drug dog looks like a dog you'd find on the Indian reservation. I'm like, that thing really is a drug dog. Okay. It's not a big, beautiful German shepherd. It does. You know, you're in America when you see the border patrols drug dog versus the ones in Mexico. Cause those are exactly dude. It looks like it's from like when a dog. Show. <laughs> yeah, seriously, he's <laughs> looking for tacos. <laughs> so in, in, um, Nogales, I'm eating a bag of chips. And the guy comes on with the dog and he, you know, he was polite, but he's like, dude, you got to get the F off the bus. What are you doing? It's like, Oh, okay. Sorry. So, you know, I'm eating my chips and I walk down and I'm hanging out. The dog does his thing. And when I come back, the dog is sitting right by where everyone has to board the bus. And I didn't think anything of it. So when I walk by, 
dude, the dog like comes right up to me. I thought it was going to bite me, dude. It got right into my thigh and it like pecked me. Like I got all of his wet nose and his front teeth and it like kind of is like, oh, you little effer. Like you're lucky, like come at me again, bro. And I'll hit you with one of my five out worm hooks in the face, you know, like try me. <laughs> so I'm not thinking anything. I was like, that dog is an asshole. So I sit down, I'm eating my chips. And all of a sudden the serious look on the face of the guy coming in with the dog is like in Spanish, he said, whose black pipes are those? And oh, in my God. mind, I'm like, oh, I know whose black pipes those are. Those are mine. So I, again, stupid. I like red hands. Oh, they're mine. It's like, okay, come with me. So I go down there and it's the bus driver and this guy. Now all of a sudden I'm starting to get a little nervous because I'm thinking, you know, and all of my flurry, I took all my rods out of those pipes, dude. And I just threw it over my shoulder and I went fishing for two days. And then I came back and I shoved all my crap in there and vominos. So now I'm like mildly nervous. I'm like, there can't be anything in these pipes because where were they at? Where were the pipes like when you were fishing? So there's a, like a, you know, a fishing club is what they call it, but there's like a little, um, kind of like reminds me of the Colorado river, how you have those, like, it was, it was like kind of pseudo campground pseudo like country club where they have like, if, Rob, do you remember that? It's called Anzuelo. So I, it, I remember the location. I don't know how there's like a little, like a shed or something or like, a, yeah. So uh, Rafin had like a, a little mobile home that he kept his stuff and he was super yeah. cool. He's like, dude, don't worry. Like, don't leave, you know, leave your fishing stuff here, but don't leave like, you know, passport or anything. And so I still was like, yeah, there's no way, dude. Like, there's just no way. Rafin was top notch. And like the people at that fishing camp, they were like diehard anglers. These weren't just like, you know, these weren't, these were Mexican equivalents of what we are, right? These people are out there having fun. They're fishing, like they're doing their thing. This wasn't like, you know, cartel or any of like the crazy things that your mind would want to believe. These are just like good people. So I was like, all right. So the guy's like, you know, he tells me to open them. And I'm like, yeah, no problem. So like, I screw off the cap on one of my ABS plumbing pipes and it just so happened to be my flipping stick. And I caught all those fish on Sunday on that rod. Like I, did, I maybe caught like one spinnerbait fish and then like 49 solid toads on my flipping stick. And the dog went right to it and he started licking the butt of it. And I was like, oh, it's fish stupid smell. dog. Like he just wants Lobina, right? Yeah, he's, he wants the, the bass. So they, they kind of like looked at me and I was like, dude, I went fishing. So it was no big deal. They're like, okay. And I was like, take woo. them all out. I told him like, take them all out. I don't care. Go for it. Oh, don't, don't woo yet, Josh. So I screw the cat back on and they're like, yeah, whatever. Stupid gringo. Just, just get out of here. So, all right, cool. No problem. Get back on the bus. And we start heading. Uh, this is in Nogales. So the bus station in Nogales, Mexico, then you cross the border and then off you go. But it's like a 10 minute. It's super close. And so we get to the border and it is stopped. We sat in the line to get into the border for like, I don't know, an hour. And I, I started thinking maybe the border doesn't open until 8am or something. But we're sitting there and you know, we're just dying to go home. And we finally get to the US border inspection. And of all my fears, that was my least because I was like, at least I know what's coming. Like I'm an American citizen. And like, if there's any issues, like I'm just going to lawyer up, I'll be in America. I speak English, everything will be fine. So I had not like, as all those worst case scenarios play out in your mind, when you do a trip like that, like the worst case scenarios in America were like, geez, I have lawyer friends. Like I'll be fine. In Mexico, I was like, I don't really know what's coming next. Like maybe yeah. I'm going to go into a dark hole and never to be seen or heard from again. And I don't speak enough Spanish to plead for my life effectively. So I really hadn't put any thought into this one. And so again, same thing, get out of the bus, get all your crap, get in line. And this time, like I'm the first one in line, dude. And there's 30 people on the bus, maybe 25 people. So we're all 
you know, kind of know each other by now. And dude, I get up there and I, my passport totally fine. Guys friendly stamps it. Dude. Then I put my stupid black tubes on the x-ray machine and they send it through and they pull it back and they send it through and they pull it back and they send it for 10 minutes, dude. And the, the guy was super rude. And he's like, what were you doing in Mexico? And I was like, well, clearly I'm smuggling large amounts of drugs with my fishing rods and all of my lizards and hooks. Like, idiot, I'm fishing in Obergon. What do you, think? you know what I was yeah. really polite, but in my mind, I'm like, all right, bro, like get off your high horse, like, you know, whatever. And so he's like, you can't fish in Obergon. Were you at the dam? And I was like, well, we did fish at the dam, but I was like, the reservoir above it is where we fished, Oviachik. And he's like, there's no, there's no reservoir in Obergon. I'm like, oh okay. my goodness. All right, bro. Like, you're one to tell me. Like, let me get my phone out and show you, bro. I caught 30 pounds yesterday, bitch. <laughs> I didn't say or think any of that. You know what I mean? I'm just very polite. Like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. And so finally, like, they're, they're not, the x-ray machine is like not a winner. They're like, something's wrong. So then he's like, you got to come with me over here. And dude, so the whole time, like everyone on the bus saw me nearly get it at the bus station in Mexico, right? And now immigrations is hitting. So it was like, oh, this gringo's going down. Like it, it was like entertaining to watch, right? So then they take me over, dude, and they're just like grilling me about my rod tubes. And like, they're not saying anything. There's like three of them now. There's three of them, like with flashlights and like the dogs all around it. And I'm like, I can't believe I'm going down for these stupid rod tubes. I don't even know what's going on. It was 30, 45 minutes of them just like cavity searching my rod tubes. And then finally, I told him, I was like, dude, like, I don't even need my rods at this point. Like, I don't want them. Like, you can go. cut those things in half. You can have the tubes. Like, I don't need them. Trust me. That's like $40 in plastic plumbing and like 15 year old fishing equipment. Like you can have it. I don't care. And finally the guy was like, come here and look at this. And so he shines his flashlight all the way down the tube. And my heart skipped a beat because inside the tube, dude, there was like a powdery substance. And I was Ooh. like, get out of here. But I think when they make those tubes, right. So in the manufacturing process, there's just like residual dust, you know, and crap that gets stuck in there. And so I'm like, oh, I kind of see what you're saying. He's like, no, not the stuff on the like inside wall. It's like, look all the way down the tube to the cap. And I look down there and okay, clearly everyone knows I'm not a plumber. Dude, like I had globbed on so much of the pipe cement that it was like, you know, freaking one of those things that grows inside of a cave, you know, like the pointy thing. There was like one of those of glue. And he's like, what is that? And I was like, uh, <laughs> dude, it's effing pipe cement like what are you talking about what is that and he's like well it doesn't look like any of the other ones and i was like <laughs> all of this time it's like man i built these stupid things in my backyard with an 18 month old crawling through my legs falling on rebar because my backyard's unfinished with my two older kids having a sword fight with plastic tubes like i'm sorry that i over cemented that one i was like i don't know what to tell you he's like well it's not regular pipe cement it's like Jeez, dude. Uh, this I don't guy know knows what to everything. tell you. I was like, I bought it at Home Depot, bro. Like, and I, and then furthermore, like, just keep the damn tubes. Like, I, I don't need them. So finally, finally, 30, 45 minutes later, three Border Patrol agents, they're like, you can go. <laughs> like, okay. So I held up the whole, we had already been sitting in line to even get there for an hour. And then I held up the line for like 45 minutes. So I was expecting everyone to be mad. And we'd become really good friends with this guy who lived in Tucson. And, uh, you know, I, and I'm sitting in seat one. So everyone gets to walk right by me as they come on the bus. Right. 
and no one was shooting me dirty looks. But then the last guy came out as my friend. He was like, false alarm? Like he was all disappointed that I didn't get arrested. Everyone started laughing. And I was Hilarious. like, yeah, they didn't catch me this time, bro. We'll see you next time. But I couldn't believe it, man. I was so nervous. I was like, I can't. I just can't even right now. Like I haven't yeah. slept. I've slept six hours and three days. And now you're going to mess with me over pipe cement. Like my heart can't take this. Well, kind of that's, abuse. there's the, there's the answer right there, dude. You just can't bring those rods next time. You got to find a way to, you could either leave them with the guide or use the guide stuff. But if, you know, he should really, as the guide, if it's that much of an issue, man, like he, he should supply rods, man. And right? I think he could have. I think he could have, dude. He had solid gear. Dude, not only solid gear, his gear was like way nicer than mine. His gear was from this last two years. My stuff is, I peaked in bass fishing, which was like the equivalent of an anthill. That was the farthest I progressed in like 2011. That's where all my stuff is from. So like sure. all my rods and gear, but in my head, I was like, I don't know what to expect. So I'm going to bring, you know, I'm just going to bring what I'm going to bring. And I don't even think I don't know, man. Like, I don't even, th I think I just, I feel like it's like a roulette wheel, right? Like you could do that the next day and it would just be like, ah, whatever. Like, you know, he's the guy's more worried about getting a breakfast sandwich at McDonald's than he is figuring out why there's more pipe cement in one tube than the other. You know what I'm saying? Like, I yeah, think it's maybe, I think I do. I, I, of all the times I've crossed the border, that's how it is, man. Like, Dude, I took all of my wife and in-laws to Rocky Point like 10 years ago, and I rented a huge white van, like that. a 15-passenger van, and a huge white cargo trailer. And I was the only white person in this van, dude. And I drove through the border crossing in Ajo, Mexico. And dude, that was like, that Border Patrol agent deserved to be employee of the month for like 12 months because, dude, I rolled down the window. And I hand him like a six inch stack of like permanent residency paperwork, passports, birth certificates. I mean, we had all sorts of nonsense that was just like, who knows if any of it's legit. And he's like, no, 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 one at a time. I was like, okay. So I hand him the first one and he walks around to the other side of the bus, opens the barn doors and there's like 15 people staring at him. He reads the first one and he's like, okay, Maria so-and-so and two hands go up. And he laughed, dude, because everyone's Maria, whether it's your middle name, your first name, your third last name, like there's a Maria in there somewhere. <laughs> Two hands go up. Dude, so oh. then, he, then he laughed and he was like, he just took attendance like he was a second grade teacher. And if a hand went up, he called it good, handed everything back to me and said, have a good day. So like, you know, you just never know what you're going to get. I don't Hilarious. know. I would suffice it all to say, like I, I'm growing my mustache out. I end all my words in O or A. Like I'm done, dude. Like I'm I'm just Mexico life to the max. Well, dude, amigo style. Hashtag amigo style. It sounds like it was awesome, man. You know, it really does. I'm I'm glad it worked out. It's that the bus stuff that the bus trips do not sound awesome either. No, way. It's like, the best part, dude. I don't oh. know. So I don't. Fun. I don't know if I want to go through that, dude. Ah, dude, now you have me. No. What's like, a, what are the other options for folks to go down there and fish? Well, Obviously, the fishing can, is. Yeah, well, the fishing is worth going. You have to go. Sorry to cut but, you off. Of course, you can fly. Like, that's, can you fly into Obregon? Yeah, Obregon's a huge city, dude. There's like 500,000 people. So, I mean, it's, it's, uh, you could fly, but where's the fun in that, dude? You spend like a thousand bucks in airfare and you don't get to enjoy the local customs with people and stuff. Like, screw I that. Want, I want no part of the bus. Yeah. You're such a wimp, bro. The yeah. bus is on. You sleep. Dude, you're no, in somebody you else's sleep, lazy, bro. bro. You just you said don't you don't sleep. sleep. You said you throw up and have headaches and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, the next time I won't do that, though. There's not, you know, whenever you get the first and you lose that, you know, unknown, the next time, dude, I'm going to sleep like a baby. 
I had to laugh. I brought sleeping tablets. I was like, yeah, like I need these. Like if I took one of those, I'd probably wake up in like Sinaloa or something. I'm not, not taking yeah, one of these. Right. Yeah. Wake up in Mazalan. That's right. Well, then I'd be closer to Bacharach. Yes. But I'll tell That's you where what, I had flown into when I went down there. Did you do Bacharach or Salto? You Salto. did Salto, right? Yeah. Yeah. We flew to Mazatlan. On the way back, like? uh, they only have X amount of flights out of there, you know, on the way back. So uh, there was like, there was like a handful of fishermen that had gone. It was a riders conference and I got lucky. They had two bus loads of, of, uh, of us leaving. So I leave on whatever the Tuesday, no problems, get to the airport, fly out of there. It's fine. Well, uh, Hunter Shryock and David Fritz were uh, on the next day and uh, they bust from El Salto to Mazatlan to get on the plane and something had happened and their flight gets canceled and they couldn't get on a flight for like the next two days. So Hunter was like on the beach with David Fritz, like for the next two days, dude, he had pictures of David Fritz on the beach. It was hilarious, dude. Imagine. That is funny. That's <laughs> awesome, dude. That's the adventure. That's the exciting part. Yeah. Dude, I got to tell you too. I, I feel like I kind of sucked at telling the fishing awesome part. And I really emphasized the part where it was, you know, some stress and some anxiety and, that wasn't really it at all. Like it was so much more fun than it was anything else. But at that spot where it was going on, you know, if I heard a huge splash and in Arizona, those are carp, right? Like whenever you hear like a kadoosh, it's just one of those carp jumping things that no one understands. And then it happened again, turned around and it was like the toilet flush. What do you call those Rob? The Ferguson flush, the Ferguson flush, dude, big old Ferguson flush. And then another one, <laughs> dude, it was like, huge bass just exploding on shad in tilapia nice. it was epic dude there was like a soundtrack of it it was like a couple of them every 10 minutes just were you able to catch them never saw them like good enough to like catch them while they were chasing yeah but it's enough to have like a top water at all times right because you could lead them with it i caught one little rat dude that was like maybe my smallest fish of the trip he was probably like you know maybe a pound and a quarter pound and a half and dude, I'm reeling him in and he spits up three threadfin shad the size of my index finger. <laughs> and then I lip him and there's another one stuck in his throat. My I mean, God. that fish was just like, you know, at a taco stand, just throwing down, just eating his brains out. The Everything down like there, that. it's just like, it's just otherworldly. It really is. Yeah. Like even our best lakes, and we talked about this, you know, uh, over the phone, Nick, but like our best lakes, you get that once every you know, you have a trip like that once every 10 years now, man. Like it's just right. pressure. Our very and... best lakes you have to hit perfectly. Like it's, it's, and you see it on, on the tournament side a lot because you're going to these historically famous bass lakes. You know, you take Ufala, for example, that's one of the best lakes in the country where we were at last week. And dude, when it's, when it's not perfect, like it ain't that easy to catch, to catch a bass, you know what I mean? And, uh, it's it, it, and a lot of it too is the pressure like pressure is such a huge factor it's a huge factor and and once they become renowned these lakes become renowned uh you know give it two years and it's going to start trending down it just happens mm -hmm. like right mm -hmm. now there's a lake in texas called oh ivy have you guys heard about this recently no this lake has pumped out like a uh just this spring alone it's it, it's like uh a little bit south of Abilene, like southwest of Dallas, a couple hours or an hour or something, like, a couple hours. Um, dude, it's pumped out like multiple 13s, a 14 and a 16 this spring. And wow. uh, 
I saw a picture of the parking lot at that place the other day. <laughs> Packed, dude. And I don't know, like, you know, I'm sure some of our Texas listeners know better than us, but I'm assuming it's, it wasn't always like that. Right. But like, man, the word gets out and OHIV is hot. I mean, we saw it happen to Toledo Bend five, uh, six, seven years ago. Then it happened to Rayburn and they're still good lakes, but they've trended down big time. And uh, especially like when they're within a couple hours of a metro area that size. Yeah. And they're just going to get truly his the kiss of death, huh? Yeah. They're just going to get their heads beat in. Yeah. So, so you I guess got to Google that 16 pounder and look at it. Okay. Dude. It's unbelievable. Just like oh. obese, like yeah. just outrageous looking. The freaking 16 pounder, dude. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah, I guess sometimes you need a, a border and some some stress to keep things great. And I was teasing Rafi. I was like, I don't want to tell anyone about this, dude. Like, you have no idea the struggle. Like, to finally find somewhere that fishes that great. Like, I'm not telling anyone, bro. I'm gonna like take a picture of a sunset and post that and be like, goodbye, Mexico. I love you so much. Not be in depth, but yeah. I think nice. it. I think Mexico. I mean, it that resource gets it's just not going to go anywhere. It keeps coming back for sure. And maybe it's due to lack of pressure or just very, very um, nutrient rich lakes, you know, and in the right, the right temperature range. I mean, those fish, yeah, they the have to grow. Range is a big deal. They have Here's to grow months just, out of the year. Yeah. Here's another big thing too, is the lakes, like the lakes that are really prolific, they have a lot of bass habitat at the right depth. Like, yeah. um, you talk like Lake Fork, why is Lake Fork different from all the, uh, other lakes in Texas, right? It gets pressured even worse. Worse but, than any uh, lake ever. Yeah, yeah. Of course it's got amazing genetics and, and game and fish has a lot to do with it. But another thing is there's just the entire lake has bass habitat at the right depth. So there's places for those fish to do everything they need to do spawn, you know, live through the summer. Uh, whereas like some of and I can't speak, I guess, for, for, for those lakes in, in uh, Obregon, man, but like a couple of our lakes, they're just uninhabitable for bass in certain part, uh, like a large mm-hmm. per- percentage, percentage of the, of the lake. lake. It's either mm-hmm. too steep or, or, or whatever. So, um, you know, maybe that's part of the reason why some, like, like the El Saltos and Bacharachs, dude, I mean, there's so much cover, you know, they got the cover on the bank, but there's so much offshore structure in the right depths man it's a it's a perfect environment and think about those lakes i mean they get we say they're unpressured but the time i was down there i mean the the gill nets are rapid i mean they're everywhere so that's got to take a toll and they still pump out numbers and size and and they're just yeah they're just fish factories is what they are they are and i wonder like i hope that there aren't any like really unfriendly practices that happen it doesn't you know i'm sure somewhere in the mexican government system or whatever they have a real defined plan for what because those reservoirs are all for irrigation right so it's just like here so hopefully like there just never comes a time where like they get a little ahead of themselves with any of those practices whether like they have some kind of like huge contamination or something goes wrong like as long as because the fertility you wouldn't think that there's as much life you know, from the untrained eye, it's just kind of like scrub brush everywhere. And like, you're just kind of like, I don't know, like everything looks dry and hot and dead. And it's like, oh, absolutely not the case, dude. There are game birds, there are deer, the lakes are full of fish. Like that is a very fertile, like lush area. I shudder to think, dude, the reason why those lakes in Obergon don't get talked about like Bacharach and Salto is because they have Northern strains. 
Dude, right. I'm, the next time I go down there on the bus, I'm going to take a bunch of Florida strain fry and a fish tank. That'll go well. And I'm Put just going to carry. Bro. Dude, and I'm going to freaking dump those things in there. And I'll go six times a year with all my little, you know, you beta should, fish that are Florida You should strains. bring them in ABS pipes. Yep. With a lot of glue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't want it to leak. But seriously, like, and that's the difference in those lakes down there is that, like you said, Josh, they have the cover, they have the fertility, and then they're Florida strain. Like, I shudder to think, man. And, you know, I, I just, I told this to Josh on the phone, Rob, like, I don't know, I guess I had kind of like big timed myself into thinking like, eh, it's like, it's a numbers lake and whatever. Like, this isn't like the Mexico that everyone romanticizes. Like, I'm not going to get to take my trophy picture with 50 pounds of bass on five hands, you know, on five fish in my hands. It's not gonna be that cool, but I've been on the most epic dry spell pretty much my entire fishing career, dude. I feel like the old man in the sea. And so I had forgotten how much fun it is to catch three to seven pounders on every cast. Like, I'm sorry, but like one of those mean, nasty three and a half pounders pulls so hard that it is not boring. Like you can't get a mini cast fast enough. Like it's like, I need another one. And if the other one, cause then you catch that angry seven pounder, dude, those head shakes. Like I can close my eyes and feel how hard those head shakes were, dude. I mean, just like throttling back and forth and, Dude, you back your drag off and the thing would peel out like a salt, like a tuna. It was just. Just numbers of quality fish. You can't go wrong. I mean, I would, I'd much rather do that than fish for, you know, five giants. Amen. I mean, we like to catch fish. Talk about confidence, man. All of a sudden I came back and it's like, I'm really good at fishing. Like I I realized I've arrived, like I am absolutely great at fishing. (laughs) And then (laughs) I suck. (laughs) I can't find anything, can't catch anything. And I was instantly back into my regular life. And you know, maybe reality was sort of settling in when the signs got back into English and it didn't smell like Mexico. And like I saw my family, but catching nothing at Saguaro reminded me like, oh yeah, I'm I'm home. (laughs) I truly am Uh, home. I'm back to to Saguaro (laughs) catching nothing. That's hilarious. Hi, you know, are paddling by. Speaking of guys that, I mean, they, they start going to Mexico. There's a lot of them in this area that just never fish here at all anymore after that because it's so good. But um, we should have Gary Grimes on. He was yep. your connection down there, right? He was. Him and Tim and, Demick, yep. That'd be awesome, how, dude. They go, they go, how many oh. times a year do they go? Oh, monthly. I think yeah. like almost multiple times a month. And I yeah. tell you what, like my life trajectory would have been so different had I discovered this prior to marriage and kids like i would have been going by nicolas instead of nick you know what i'm saying like i would have lived there so i would have dude i would have had like the sweetest like trailer in the anzuelo fishing club like i would have been like the token gringo like don't even know like all i can do right now is to like prevent myself from buying another bus ticket <laughs> that's, that's awesome cool. well, hey, i'm, I'm glad you had a good time. Well, well yeah it's yeah. awesome man it's awesome glad Thank you made you it back without story. Without going into Mexican prison, Thank yeah, I'm wondering maybe so. maybe since I didn't do, I I did a terrible job of of giving the warning that we weren't going to have an episode last week. I wonder how many listeners thought, hmm, yeah, no <laughs> episode this week. <laughs> uh, Nick has been you know recovered. He has three teardrop tattoos on his cheek, and he's got a huge dagger tattoo going down the middle of his chest. But he's back. <laughs> so funny, right I mean, on. Nothing cool. better than a Mexican prison tat. No doubt, no doubt. I've got to, I've got to dive into Redcrest just for the listeners that are Let's into the tournament stuff. Um, Rob, are you are you good for a couple more minutes, man? Yeah, I'm gonna. Um... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds good. 
Okay. I'll be right back. Yeah, okay. yep, yep. Hey, yeah, right. Rob's got to take a leak. Um, <laughs> he's, he's running. That's what you get on this podcast, man. You get, you get it all. We've been going so long. Well, anyways, um, yeah, so, so I talked a little bit about the trip out there. And uh, overall, it was a long trip. And I was tired, but it was smooth, uh, especially, you know, with the worries that I had with the, with the ice, ice and snow and stuff. There were only a couple hours of sketchy roads. Other than that, it was fine. Got there in one piece. My, tr- my truck and boat, though, man, you should have seen. <laughs> Dude, was it just seen it. They salted <laughs> the heck out of the road, so I drove through two miles or 2,000 miles of salt, man. Uh, <laughs> Rob and I were laughing. I talked to him on the phone yesterday after I hung up with you. And uh, um, we're like, hopefully you rinse it off because we're kind of fighting over who's going to buy your boat. I think we're both positioning ourselves to, you know, like, wanting your boats is like you better have rinsed off all the salt off of our trailer <laughs> exactly it's cleaned up it is cleaned yeah, up yeah i had it. i had to do it i mean it looked horrible man I, you know and i thankfully had like the those... cover on the boat so yeah. the, the inside was looking good but man it was it was nasty on the like outside that slush like brown icicle stuff yeah 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 well you just yeah exactly the whole thing was just even like the windows and mirrors, like I couldn't even see out of the mirrors of my truck because they were just so coated in that salt. Uh, but anyways, man, uh, made it there. We only had one day of practice. And uh, to be honest, this has only happened to me, you know, maybe five times fishing tournaments back East in almost 10 years now. I, I had like this feeling of uh, anxiety the night before practice started that like I couldn't t- you want to start your practice with a plan and mm-hmm. typically we get two days of practice which is already short on a big body of water but with only one day of practice How I didn't have a, a good plan dude and I couldn't formulate a good plan for pre-fish and you need that dude if you mm-hmm. just if you expect to launch your boat on a 40,000 acre lake that you don't know, like I'd been there one time, but I don't know the lake, you know, you can't yeah. say, you know, a lake after having one tournament there. If you expect to launch your boat and just th- and expect things to flow, you're going to go into that tournament clueless. Like uh-huh. it, you're going to flail around and um, not learn what you need to n- learn. You can't plan out your entire practice stop by stop, but you need a game plan. Um, on what you're going to do and how you're going to, how you plan to do it. You know, you need to think, okay, you need to go in and say, okay, I'm going to cover a lot of water and, and try to find, try to find the areas that look the best, or maybe, okay, this, this 10 mile section of the lake, tons of tournaments are won here. I have a lot of confidence here. I'm going to take the entire time and break down this 10 mile section, but you need mm-hmm. some type of plan. And I couldn't come up with one, dude. I could not come up with a plan that I had confidence in for one day. And, mm-hmm. uh, that wasn't good. I ended up, I, I, because I wanted to fish offshore a little bit, but I also was a little nervous about that. I wanted to see a lot of the different creeks and, and maybe, maybe fish shallow. And one day of practice wasn't enough. So I ended up finally falling asleep. And the next day, I, it, it had been really cold. The water was like 49, 50 when practice started. Oof. And it should have been real, realistically mid to high 50s. But we had had that cold blast. Um, and it even hit the Southeast where you fall is at. So what I ended up settling on was I said, Hey, I'm going to graph for like the first four hours and find as much offshore brush and stuff that I can and potentially use it. Maybe not, but use it. And then when it warms up in the afternoon, I'll start running shallow creeks as many as I can and 
hopefully one jumps out at me. It's two degrees warmer than the others. I see some bait. I maybe even fish and get a bite or two. And, and that's maybe a shallow Creek that I can break down more when the tournament starts. Um, so I did that. I marked 50 to hundred brush piles offshore. And then in the afternoon I started running creeks and I ran creeks 30 miles worth of the lake. I ran every Creek that I could and I fished minimally, but I would just run to the back, see what it looked like. I finally, at the end of the day, one of the creeks I fished for like 45 minutes and I actually had like four or five bites in it. I was like, okay, that's, and I had my hook covered. I was throwing a vibrating jig and I had the hook covered. Accidentally, dude, I, I was lazy. You know, when I first pulled into the creek and I caught like a four and a half, like a dummy, I was like, dude, I'm covering my hook. So I went through it and shook off another four or five. So I was like, well, I got to start here. I feel pretty good about this creek. If nothing else, I'll start here, get some, hopefully get a few fish and get some momentum and then, yeah. you know, go from there. Tournament starts and it, it's interesting. Um, it went exactly that the one part of the tournament that went exactly like <laughs> I had planned and hoped I caught uh, a few scoreable fish in the first period. And I was in like the top, I think I was in the top 10 for sure when that period ended. And, um, but the thing is they were all bucks. I had shaken all the fish off. The, the female I caught was close to the main lake, that four and a half. But in the back of the creek where I had all the bites, they're all bucks, man. Every single one of them, I had caught like uh, three between two and three pounds that weighed. And then another three or four that were shorts and they're all males. And I'm like, uh -huh. well, it's good and bad. I mean, it's good that there's some fish here, but, and it's good. The females will be coming, but God knows when they're going to come. Cause the water was right. still cold, like 53. Um, so then uh, I'm fishing around a little longer. It, it kind of dies out. There's a couple other dudes in there not really catching them. And uh, I pull out to some brush. I'm like, let's sample this brush. And uh, I fish four or five brush piles and don't catch any. And here's where the score tracker will mess with you. And this is just purely going off of last year. Wheeler and Avena had absolutely mopped them up on brush piles, right? And in practice, I see those dudes idling the entire time. So I knew like, okay, all they're going to do is fish brush. Well, they don't have any scoreable bass. And I fish five brush piles and I don't have any bass on the brush piles. I'm like, yeah, I, don't, I can't do this anymore. I can't keep running the brush piles. Like they're not catching them. I'm not catching them. I caught three in a creek. So I commit the rest of the day to running the shallow creeks. And I never catch another scoreable fish. I ended up losing a couple. Uh, one of them was a good one, dude. I was, there was like a submerged, uh, sunk, sunken lay down and I reel my bait over it and completely like you're feeling it da, 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 as you're reeling it through, you feel it vibrating and then just nothing. Oh, and like, it, like it completely goes away. So I reel, reel, reel. And dude, I, f I feel like I reel it in like five feet of slack and set the hook. Oh. I mean, this thing absolutely came a million Smoked miles it. an hour for it. And I ended up losing the fish. I hooked it for a minute, goes under the boat and comes off. Um, but I end the day there and I'm like, not where I want to be. I'm not out of it. I'm only two pounds out of the cut, but not where I want to be. Fishing was, was tough, but some guys had caught them. And uh, I'm like, well, you know, I could, I could go try the brush again, but like, the females are going to show up like these areas where all these males were, I ended up catching like probably eight to 10 non-scorable fish under two pounds. And I'm like, every one of these areas, it, we got, you know, 75 degree days. Now they're going to warm up the water's warming up two degrees a day. One of these days, and, and it's likely going to be this afternoon. 
these big females are going to pull up and you're going to go through all these same areas and it's going to be a three and a half game and a over. seven and a five. And, um, I kind of just did that dude. And I ran it and ran it and ran it. And it, it, same thing, tons of non-scorables, um, ended up getting my teeth kicked in. I ended up 33rd out of the 40 dudes. And, uh, it's so funny. You see after, after the fact, after you get knocked out, another guy, like another score tracker trick, Burge. Burge is a pure power fisherman, like a pure power, uh, shallow fisherman. He's always up in, a, in the back of a creek. Well, he's leading, uh, he's leading uh, the tournament after the knockout round, and that sucker's out on brush, dude. I'm like, oh. man, you got to be kidding. You got to oh. be kidding me. That's why you got to kind of just fish your own game. And like, I let yeah. it, I, I let it get to me a little bit too much. Kind of <laughs> like these guys, the guys that were catching them were doing it on stuff that they typically don't do. Um, and it's my fault for not, not being more confident in the brush. Like it was such a big mm-hmm. deal last year. I spent four hours marking piles. I had plenty of piles to fish and uh, I just was, was kind of bullheaded and stubborn waiting for more fish to pull to the bank. So, and, and another factor there was water level. Like the water was, uh, I guess it was stable, but um, it wasn't high. Like there wasn't a lot of good stuff on the bank for the fish to get on. There were some laydowns and some docks and stuff, but it's not like there was, when we were there last time, the water was higher and there was more fish for the more stuff for those fish to get on. And they just didn't want to leave those piles yet, man. Cause it was mm-hmm. nothing to go swim up to. So uh, I get an I, F on my, uh, my grade for this week for sure. Hindsight's Dude. always 2020, man. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. And when you watch the leaders, it looks easy, doesn't it? Oh, that's, that's it's how it goes. Right. So you know, frustrating. It, yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> And I mean, they were even the, the guys that won the tournament, like Connell caught 11 bass, dude. Like that's, yeah. that's, he, it's a great day and he was amazing, but dude, 11 bass is not that many bass to win right. a tournament. You know what I mean? It's, it was tough. It really you was. Think, you think local knowledge really made him excel in that situation? It, I think he lives a few hours from there. I know he's got a lot more experience than me there. He's probably been there. I don't know if I had to guess, you know, he probably, Probably like me at Havasu, right? Like one I was just going to say, he, he's got to live as close to that as you do Havasu. So. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's got to help. Yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah, I definitely – it was a good tournament for me to uh, – it was a nice little kick in the pants for the rest of the season, right? Like it, yeah. It, it, Havasu, things went pretty smoothly, and, like, you just can't expect things to, to be easy and come to you like that. So it was a yeah. good wake-up call to start the season. Like, hey, you better get uh, – get your acting gear, man, and, and prepare a little bit better and come in with a better game plan because that'll happen to you every time if you're not ready. You just need to learn, Josh. Like, that was a one-off tournament, right? Yeah. Like, there's no points involved. So, now's when you need to say, I was just swinging for the fences. <laughs> <laughs> and Connell was on the juice. Right. <laughs> and I was just grinding it out. Yeah. No yeah. Just grinding it out. Gave it a, you fences. gave it 100%. <laughs> hilarious dude yeah yeah that's well that's dude that's an attitude if you take that attitude that's a and i know you're kidding but there's, I am totally there's dudes kidding. that take that that position right. and that's that's a recipe for a lifelong of tournaments like that dude oh it's just an excuse <laughs> well and you should have consulted with me because i was headed to the juice factory yeah you no know, doubt Nick, i swung I for the fences death, when you were when when you were telling me the story about just absolutely crushing all those fish, and I'm driving home from catching uh, four scorables in two days after a two thousand mile drive, I was like, 
Uh, keep it on the road, Josh. Keep it on the road, Josh. Yeah. Don't drive into the ditch. Don't. Yeah, Josh drives through the North Pole to get there. <laughs> to catch nothing. Yeah. Wow. Uh, well, he caught I, four. I, Don't say nothing. Come on, Nick. Yeah. Well, I caught four in the first <laughs> 10 minutes. And four I had a more than I full caught. of tacos. <laughs> Except, uh, dude, it, it was awesome. And, uh, hey, uh, I'm, I'm around for the next couple of weeks. Rob, you got a lot going on with your house, but we're going to try to get out and maybe maybe we can get out and film something. Yep. Um, a day or two. So we got uh, got some stuff we'll be putting together, guys. Uh, I know it was a little bit of a long episode. We thought about breaking it up into two parts, but I don't think we're going to get quite long enough for that. So um, might be one good long one. Is there anything else you guys have before we wrap this up? If, dude, how deep, I don't mean to go back, but how deep are those brush piles that those fish are sitting in? You said they're like five to 10 feet? Yeah, it's kind of an interesting deal, man. They are, the, these dudes, you're fishing way offshore way off the bank but it's a very flat lake like that okay. lake has expansive flats and a lot of the offshore fishing there is exactly that five to ten feet deep and the brush piles are huge like they're massive piles they're beautiful brush piles whoever man puts made. these things out right man-made yeah. they're the size of the front deck of your boat they're okay. big brush piles man and they're several feet tall and like a a lot of times the fish sit in the top of the pile okay you know you can catch them on a jig and last time we were there i caught some nice fish on a jig crawling it through the pile but a lot of guys throw a spinnerbait that ledge buster spinnerbait's a big player there um that big heavy uh spinnerbait what's funny is the mayor of eufaula owns the company <laughs> that uh makes the ledge wow buster. <laughs> yeah yeah dude. the dude is obsessed with bass fishing it's hilarious I, he's got my vote I'm yeah yeah he's for- the President. last time when we, we we can't have actual meetings, you know, with COVID and stuff. So they're all Zoom. But the last time we were there, we had a meeting, you know, and this dude gets up and typically the mayor comes up and addresses you guys. And, you know, I'm so happy to have a welcome the to the tournament city. here. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to the city. Uh, we'll be, if you need anything, let us know. Call me, you know, just that. And the ahead. mayors, when, when the mayors come to the tournament meetings, they're usually clueless. They don't know anything about They know nothing fishing. about yeah. fishing, yeah. But this guy is all about it, huh? That's this cool. This dude knew every guy that he was addressing. <laughs> and awesome. he was telling stories. And, and it was like, like a, no, don't share information. He's like, well, out there on... Yeah. Exa- dude, 100, <laughs> he literally had to get stopped. It was so funny, man. It's it, hilarious. When you're listening to live, like... Uh, Marty Stone, he's like, as I was listening to it on the way back as I drove home, he's like, yeah, the mayor texted me this morning, said the water's up two inches, and what he's going to do is... Uh... <laughs> he's like, I like my brush pile out on Simpson Flat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it's just, it's awesome, dude, to see the dude is just passionate. They got a, they've got a big old statue of a bass, like, you know, yeah. when you come into... Welcome to you fall. There's like a gigantic uh, statue of a bass. It's that's a bass on the Alabama-Georgia line, right? But you're on the yeah. Alabama side? Exactly. You follow yeah. Alabama. Nice. Yeah. You know what's you know what's cool about the live feed and being able to watch exactly what the guys are doing is um as it's going on, I watched very little of it. Boyd and I watched um I can't even remember what day it was. It was the day that Van Dam got eliminated. The slowest the, day. Yeah. Yeah, it was fishing was terrible. But um the next day Boyd texts me, my son Boyd texts me and said, uh, do we ever slow roll out on deep structure here? <laughs> He's watching it. He's watching it. So those guys are slamming them on a spinner because that looks like so much fun. So dude, a uh, spinnerbait bite it has been a long time for me to catch anything of quality on a spinnerbait. And that is the bomb, man. Like it kind of like you said, Josh. Yeah. The way they eat it and the way they attack it. I mean, dude, 
I was thinking of you because I was bending my spinner bait back and oh, yeah. forth in the back. Where I was like, all right, I'm going to tie a new one on because in Rob's, you know, Rob's oh, yeah. wisdom, the next time I set the hook, it will be like the fish of the trip. <laughs> it's just going to go tink and I'm going to reel in like two blades. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's awesome. Oh, yeah. And like a chatterbait bite's cool, Josh. Like what you described is, I mean, one of the best ever when they knock that much slack into it. But yeah, the vibration's different on a spinner bait. It's just so low and slow and good yeah. stuff. It's amazing what it'll crawl through. Like, like, uh, like fishing it through those piles, it's unbelievable that it gets through. You know, spinnerbait is, is much more weedless than a chatterbait. And that's, that's one thing, like, um, I was preferring the chatterbait a lot because you could actually skip it under docks and stuff really well. But you'd get around a big old nasty laydown, and it was risky to throw the vibrating jig up there because – yeah, those things it. touch wood dude and they get snagged and the spin yep. and if you pull up to the juicy lay down and you you hang it on your first cast you're screwing you yourself mm -hmm. so the spinner bait you can really it just pick something like it. that apart uh yeah with with less risk of of hanging it up for sure did you actually catch some on a spinner bait some some non-scorables yeah. yeah yeah 20 pound yeah. mono right <laughs> yeah or rob yeah, you I, throw it on 25 pound mono i can't remember 20 Okay, twenty's good. Yeah. What I mean okay. All right. I won't go any further into <laughs> why no, go ahead. Yeah, keep it coming, man. We're trying to get two episodes out of this. Well you, before you left, you said you were gonna throw a spinner bait on fifteen. What'd you end up throwing it on? Down there in He's Mexico. Talking to you, Nick. Nick. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, so that was one of the pleasant surprises that has me in love with it. I oversized everything, dude. I was throwing everything on fifteen, and it, seventeen, and twenty. And it worked, it, right? Oh, it did. For yeah, sure. Yeah. But then from like a, you know, an enjoyment perspective, you always kind of want to throw it on as light as possible if there's no, no. money at stake. Dude. Yeah. No. Yeah. We were laughing about the dude, <laughs> that the, uh, the guy that, that, uh, not no one in our world, but how many fishermen, how many like casual fishermen that really think they're real fishermen. They're like, Oh yeah. Only I, but I only use ultralight tackle. <laughs> ultralight tackle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you guys yeah. are just elitist assholes is what you are. No, we want to set are. the hook and we want to get to the next bite. I want to yeah. catch fish, dude. I don't care <laughs> where or how, dude. I just want to catch more and bigger fish, dude. That's, that's just, whatever it takes. As <laughs> soon as the one fish bites, we want to get just get it over with and get to the next one. <laughs> Bro, that's all that's there is to it. Seriously. Then you, you could stop and think and be like, well, wait a second. Like, this is a means to an end that doesn't make any sense. How else are you going to fill the live well to take photos? That's exactly. right. Well, that's you need enough that it. like fingers are under the gills. When you have enough fish that you have just like gills oh, yeah. and, you know, like lipping and gilling and just, you know, that's, that's meat angling right there. I just remember it. it's better than a gill net. <laughs> yeah. One small step up. Yeah. Fingers in the gill slightly better. Yeah. Dude. That's hilarious. I'm such a, what you just described, right? Like the loser in that sense. But I have only had a handful of times in my life where like everyone gets a little case of bass thumb, right? Like, you know, like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like my thumbs all chewed up. Like I was, you know, sanding with sandpaper. Dude, I had bass palm. When yeah, you have bass yes. palm, that's, that's like your nirvana. Yes, I agree. When you're, yep. When your hand is bleeding from, uh, dude, both of yeah. my left and right hand, they were sawed yeah. up and bloody, and like, it means a couple whole... things, Nick. It means you caught some big fish, and you probably need to get a little tougher. But... <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, okay. All right, <laughs> dude. I sat on the bushes looking at my hands, and like, uh, I'm so legit right now. That was your only entertainment. So cool. I. I I'm sitting here thinking, man, what a miserable bus ride without being, you didn't have a phone or anything to look at. Dude. I, I can't music. even get on a plane without entertainment for three hours. 
How do you Dude, get through that? 14 hours. This is, this is, this is where we have arrived and everyone listening and knows this, like the fact of just simple fact, but dude, coming home, there was a nine, 10 year old kid and the Tufesa bus line advertises that you have a 120 outlet next to each seat and a USB plug-in. And that is true, but most of them are dead holes. So maybe, oh, maybe you got a little juice, probably don't have any juice. Maybe it's like 10 amps instead of 120, who knows? But so this nine-year-old kid had the terror look on his face and you could tell he was down to like the final 5% of battery life on his phone. And he was like compulsively like crawling under seat, plugging in, trying to find a hole that had any juice and there was no electricity to charge his precious phone. And my brother and I were laughing like, oh, it sucks to be you, man. Maybe it's the end have, of the world. Yeah. yeah. Maybe you should read a book, bro. Did read you bring a, a book or something? Did you have anything? You had my brother to talk to, man. We don't get to hang out. So like we were... We, we single-handedly figured out American politics. We had figured out how to catch every fish in the lake. I mean, we had exhausted every topic that you could ever hey, that's talk cool. about. So, ah, dude, I, it was, that After was like was one of the heaving. best parts. Yeah, well, yeah. I had to hold his hair while he was puking. Oh. And then I'd, then I'd be like, okay, so back to what you were saying. What did, did, and he just got better? Ah, well, magically, when you're catching fish and having fun, that's the best cure because usually he gets a migraine. And that was my fear is when he gets a migraine, he's out for like five days, dude. Like he uh, gets bad. So that's just what it was. It was a migraine and it was so bad it was making him sick. Yeah, he physically. just had a migraine and he had stressed himself into a corner. Needless to say, we both went into that one with quite a bit of stress. We, I, the, Leading up to leaving, dude, like I had my accountant texting me screenshots of like the federal government web pages saying that you can't get back in without a COVID test and, you know, reconsider travel due to trafficking and kidnapping. These are like, granted, I'm really tight with my accountants, but still like, that's the level of people in my life that were like, what the hell are you doing? Like you, you are so stupid. Like, don't do it. My wife, you know, she's, she's Mexican and uh, she, she didn't, her family's not anywhere near that. They're like, way deeper into Mexico. And this was the Northern part, but growing up in Arizona, she had tons of friends that were from like Obregon specifically. And one night I was, you know, the night before I left, I was on her phone trying to like figure out how to text my new stupid phone number that didn't work. And I, she was in bed and I saw a, a notification from messenger and I had no idea who it was. And all it said was girl, it's really hot down there. And I knew instantly I was oh. like, oh, she's been messaging one of her friends and I know where down there is and I know what really hot means. And I just like swiped it maybe. up. Maybe. Like, who knows what girls that. talk about, dude? It's really yeah, hot maybe, down there. Maybe it was her other, maybe it was her other side thing. And if it was, so be it. But needless to say, there was a lot of stress <laughs> going into that one. <laughs> oh, uh. I'm but, glad uh, you made it alive, man. It's dude. At one point we were driving the second night we we're going to get dinner, you know, and we we're doing a thing. And I look over and this late model blacked out Dodge Challenger with completely tinted windows is at the stoplight next to us. And it just like, you know, it's Mexico. Like it's, it's a big city. So you see everything you see, like, you know, people who are working to get by people who are struggling. And then you see people who are, you know, doing all right. And then you see this car. <laughs> I was like, I should roll down the window and wave and be like, what's up, what's man? Up? Cool car. I love your car. And it's like, probably shouldn't even look over in that direction right now. <laughs> Do you like bass fishing? Yeah. Hey, man, mm. you got any meth? <laughs> oh, man. Jeez. Yeah. Quite I'd like trip, to put though. some in my rod tubes. Could you put some in there for me? But all's well that ends well. And it was a fantastic time. Good. Awesome. Well, hey, um, it's been a good episode, guys. This may be one or two. We've gone close to uh, two hours, so we'll see. But um, 
again, thanks. Thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, we're going to try to try to have some new YouTube videos. If you haven't checked out our channel, uh, make sure, make sure to do so. It's anglers happy hour. We've got, uh, we've got to do another challenge like that jig versus drop shot challenge. I think that's something we might try to draw up this week. If you've got ideas or, or like a challenge that you'd like to see, Good send idea. that to us, please. Um, as always keep the, keep the questions for Q and a coming and, um, Again, uh, we've got some hoodies still available. We're going we're gonna to have some hats and stuff like that coming soon. But make sure to uh, check out our store and our website, anglershappyhour.com, if, uh, if you're interested in a uh, T-shirt or an Angler's Happy Hour hoodie. You know, when you have record-breaking cold spells and days without electricity, um, the Angler's Happy Hour sweatshirt is fantastic for keeping you warm on those frigid days and nights. You know, you just pull that hood up over your head, you cinch it down tight, and you just, you just feel loved. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. And shout out to our listener, uh, Chris, that had sent us that logo had made that logo. <laughs> yeah. For us. I'm hoping awesome. uh, we won't, we won't uh, spoil it yet, but we may have to debut oh, that. So with good. Something. It was uh, it was pretty classic. Maybe a commemorative edition hat, t-shirt and sweatshirt with his logo. Cause it's, it's, it's delicious. It's very it's good. hilarious. Yeah, no doubt. So thanks for that guys. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Hey, we'll, uh, we'll talk to y'all next week. See ya. Hey, thanks again for listening, guys. Hope you enjoyed this one, and we will be back at you next week with another episode. So enjoy the week, and we'll talk to you then.